What's up, Internet? I am Durgan Godfrey with TTFT, and this is Films You Should Have Watched, Volume 1, August 2001 to 2021. We're looking at films that were released in August from the past 20 years to give you our definitive list of recommendations for which ones you should absolutely see if you haven't yet. Each year gets one selection plus an honorable mention. We were mindful of our curation, ensuring to provide you with a reasonable balance of summer blockbuster hits and underrated, underappreciated gems that you may have missed. Let's get straight to it. 2001. Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Released on August 24th, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back is a love letter to fans who grew up on Kevin Smith, essentially connecting everything that he created in the Buisk universe in one epic adventure comedy featuring pretty much every single notable person of the time, as well as some very cool surprise blasts from the past. The cameos in this movie are nuts. You get Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, Will Ferrell, Judd Nelson, George Carlin, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Sean William Scott, John Stewart, Tracy Morgan, Gus Van Sant, Action Gus or Jesus Ben, I said I'm busy. Chris Rock, Jamie Kennedy, Wes Craven, Shannon Doherty, Dietrich Bader, Alanis Morissette, Jason Biggs, James Vanderbeek, and a killer closing act with Morris Day and the motherfucking time. This movie was the ultimate in fan service before fan service became the mission statement of the entertainment industry with the explosion of distribution opportunities afforded by the magnitude of streaming services. And 20 years later, it still holds up. 2001's honorable mention goes to The Others. Nicole Kidman stars in this innovative spin on the haunted house genre and it is as cozy as it is creepy with an ending that delivers the goods. Fun fact, The Others was written and directed by Alejandro Amenabar, who saw his 1997 film Open Your Eyes remade in Cameron Crowe's Vanilla Sky, starring Tom Cruise, released a few months later in December of that year, a film we covered in the premiere episode of season two of our show, <clears throat> check it out, and another movie that we highly recommend. 2002, City of God. If culture shock treatment was a film, it'd be City of God. It takes place in a poverty-stricken slum of Rio de Janeiro in the 1970s, and co-directors Fernando Mejeres and Katia Lund expertly take you as the viewer into the time and place ever so effectively. And it probably feels so real because in many ways, it is. No studio backlot here. The production took place on location in some of Rio de Janeiro's poorest neighborhoods. The story follows Rocket, a young budding photographer who documents the increasing drug-related violence in his neighborhood. The movie will have you projecting your own fears onto the protagonist and finding yourself in constant suspense for his safety. City of God's dark and gritty environment comes to life in a beautiful way with vibrant colors and deep contrast. It is an experience everyone should allow themselves to have at least once. We should note, City of God did not hit the U.S. until early 2003, but it was released in Brazil in August of 2002, so we're counting it. And 2002's honorable mention goes to Frida. Our honorable mention was also not released in the U.S. until 2003. Frida premiered at the Venice Film Festival on August 29th, 2002. Selma Hayek earned an Oscar nomination for her portrayal of real-life artist Frida Kahlo, and it is a performance everyone should see. 2003. Elephant. Gus Van Sant goes full Gus Van Sant with Elephant, which premiered in the U.S. at the Telluride Film Festival after picking up three awards, including Best Director, at its worldwide premiere at Cannes. Anyone can create something experimental, but it takes a skilled filmmaker to create something experimental that is also good, and Elephant is good. Gus Van Sant's innovative approach to disjointed storytelling is eerily disarming when applied to the heavy subject matter that the film tackles. His voyeuristic approach with signature long, droning, single takes succeeds in conjuring the shocking element of surprise that comes 
comes as close to reality as cinema will ever get. I don't want to spoil anything for those who haven't seen it, so we'll just leave you with the published premise for the film. Several ordinary high school students go through their daily routine as two others prepare for something more malevolent. And 2003's honorable mention goes to Lost in Translation. Another 2003 Telluride Film Festival premieres Sofia Coppola's quiet and beautiful follow-up to her incredible first feature, 1999's The Virgin Suicides. Lost in Translation is a notable change of pace, diving totally into nuanced character studies that she dabbled with in The Virgin Suicides. But, while The Virgin Suicides was more situational, Lost in Translation focuses on the moments in between the situations. At times, it feels like a tourist documentary for Tokyo if it were directed by an art house director. What I'm trying to say is it's a beautiful film with an inviting aesthetic, and Bill Murray's performance illustrates an intimate connection to the character he is portraying, making every moment with him an absolute pleasure. Scarlett Johansson's sunshine subtleties bring the perfect balance to Murray's comical air of cynicism. I don't care what he whispers to her at the end, it is one more beautifully intriguing moment to cap off a string of beautifully intriguing moments that make up Lost in Translation, creating the enjoyable experience that it is. 2004, Collateral. Collateral is, in this film lover's humble opinion, Michael Mann at his absolute best. I know, he. I know, the insider. I know, Ali. I still say Collateral earns the number one spot. This gave the world a menacingly suave Tom Cruise that we've never seen before. This was the first time we really got to see Jamie Foxx flex his dramatic acting abilities, and the chemistry between their two characters is electric in a story that is simple enough on the surface, but manages to feel like a parabolic tale of good encountering evil. The wolf crossing the city street is interpreted differently depending on who you ask, and the sign of a great piece of art is giving the audience something that they can each engage with on a personal level. 2004's honorable mention goes to Napoleon Dynamite. Setting off a spiral of imitators, essentially creating a whole new vein of the comedy genre, but there is only one Napoleon Dynamite. Quirky characters on mundane backdrops perform in a series of loosely connected bits that cleverly develop a world like audiences have never seen before, while feeling strangely relatable to the realities of middle-class life at the same time. Napoleon Dynamite is the love child of co-writers, co-directors, and co-lifers, married couple Jared and Jerusha Hess. If you're a fan of their signature style of comedy and haven't seen their follow-up with Jack Black, Nacho Libre, you should definitely check it out as well. And in my research for this list, I am pleased to report that the Hesses have announced a project called Nicktoons, the movie, which appears to be a mashup story involving different classic characters like Rocco, Squidward, and Jimmy Neutron. So keep an eye out for this intriguing film. 2005. Broken Flowers. Broken Flowers marked Bill Murray's second time working with Jim Jarmusch after starring in his previous film, Coffee and Cigarettes, two years prior. Between Rushmore, The Royal Tenenbaums, Lost in Translation, Coffee and Cigarettes, and my favorite performance he's ever given, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, Bill Murray had more than fully evolved into the quirky lord of indie dramedies by 2005 when Broken Flowers was released. Even if you aren't a fan of Jim Jarmusch's distinct style or anti-style, you can rest assured that this is Jarmusch light. It is a borderline linear story with an actual premise containing conflict and revolution, and fans of Bill Murray will not be disappointed. 2005's honorable mention goes to The 40-Year-Old Virgin. We have to at least give honorable mention to this classic comedy gem. It started it all. If you like Knocked Up, Funny People, This Is 40, Trainwreck, Walk Hard, The Dewey Cox Story, You Don't Mess With the Zohan, or Pineapple Express, those all exist because of the success of The 40-Year-Old Virgin, launching Judd Apatow to the forefront of a new era of wokish bromance comedies that are as extreme in their hijinks as they are in their sentimentality. Granted, some of the jokes haven't aged gracefully, but the hearts of the characters remain genuine as ever. 2006 
The Descent. So the alternate title for The Descent should be 100 Minute Panic Attack, because this seems to intentionally check off every checkbox for things that get a hell no without hesitation. Claustrophobia, check. Getting lost, check. Getting stuck, check. Getting stuck, lost, and claustrophobic in the pitch black reaches of an unknown cave system, check, 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 check. And then plot twist, midway into the movie, it doubles down on an already terrifying environment, and surprise, this is also a creature feature. On top of everything else, the explorers are now being pursued by a strange breed of predators that have evolved to move and hunt in the dark cave system. Fans of The Descent will be happy to hear the writer-director, Neil Marshall, appears to be returning to his roots with a film currently in pre-production called The Lair, about a Royal Air Force pilot being shot down over Afghanistan and ending up, you guessed it, in an abandoned underground bunker where she faces off with half-human, half-alien, deadly man-made biological weapons. 2006's honorable mention goes to Borat. Borat premiered in the U.S. at the Traverse City Film Festival and became widely available in November, and by Christmas 2006 had most people complimenting their mom's Christmas dinner by exclaiming, very nice! Writer and star Sasha Baron Cohen, along with director Larry Charles, blurred the lines of reality and fiction on a whole new level beyond anything experienced before. 2007, Superbad. We all became best friends with Michael Sarah, Christopher Mintz-Plasse, and Jonah Hill in the summer of 2007 with the super quotable film written by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg as sort of a loose autobiographical depiction of their own adventures as teenagers. Fitting comfortably in the new vein of super sentimental bromance comedies, Superbad provides a hilarious, heartfelt, and authentic look into all the nuances of the transitional woes that seniors face as they prepare for graduation, packed into one eventful evening centered around a plan to score booze for a party they're trying to get to. 2007's honorable mention goes to The Ten. Fans of David Wayne will love this honorable mention. It is pure, unadulterated Wayne, unleashed within ten loosely connecting sketches, each based on a different one of the Ten Commandments. This is absurdity in its purest form. We covered The Ten in episode 10 of season 2. If you're a fan, check it out. And a bonus honorable mention for 2007 goes to Hot Rod. 2007 boasted a fantastic summer for over-the-top comedy, so we had to include two honorable mentions for this year because the guys from Lonely Island delivered such a fun and entertaining time in their first feature film, Hot Rod. So if you haven't seen it, call upon the spirit of Couch Potato and get to enjoying it. 2008. Pineapple Express. Writers Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg are back again. Last year, they elevated teen comedies to a new high with Superbad. This year, they teamed up with director David Gordon Green to take the stoner comedy genre to new heights. The chemistry between Seth Rogen and James Franco is pure, joyous hilarity to witness. The genre-bending twist that takes us into the realms of adventure, action, and at times, even legitimate suspense, makes this stoner buddy flick an intriguing experience that leaves the audiences guessing what the hell could possibly happen next. 2008's honorable mention goes to Tropic Thunder. We covered Tropic Thunder for the second episode of our second season because this movie is brilliant on so many levels. It swims so deep into satire that it borders on becoming a parody. Ben Stiller cleverly holds a mirror up to the stereotypes of Hollywood while spoofing the tropes of big budget war films. It's so well produced and performed that it actually looks better than many of the films that it likely drew inspiration from. Ben Stiller is his usual funny dope of a character. Jack Black is absolutely insane. Tom Cruise and Matthew McConaughey deserve their own film centered around Wes Grossman and the Peck and Robert Downey Jr.'s performance is something to behold, earning him over 25 award nominations, including a Golden Globe and Academy Award nomination. For being just a dude, 
playing a dude disguised as another dude. 2009, Inglorious Bastards. Once upon a time in Hollywood is not the first time that Brad Pitt starred in the film, putting the signature Tarantino thumbprint on history as we know it. In 2009, they collaborated to take on the Nazis in World War II, and it is fantastic. Quentin Tarantino has a talent for bringing people together to collectively exclaim celebratory cheers in their bloodlust for antagonists that he strategically utilizes as tools that he expertly uses to inject viewers with a fiery vengeance that has us wishing the most gruesome death imaginable for them, and practically giddy with laughter with every head bashing. Christoph Waltz is fantastic as always. You can tell Eli Roth was thrilled to be directed by Tarantino, and his joy radiates through his sadistic character in amazing ways, plus a surprise appearance by Mike Myers. Inglorious Bastards is a bloody fun time. 2009's honorable mention goes to The Goods. This movie does not get remotely near to receiving the appreciation and acclaim that it deserves. Jeremy Piven energetically carries the film with a cast of hilarious co-stars including Ving Rhames, David Kreckner, James Brolin, Katherine Hahn, Ed Helms, Tony Hill, Ken Jeong, Rob Riggle, Brian Callen, Craig Robinson, and Joey Kern. And everyone is at the top of their game. Directed by Neil Brennan, co-creator of Chappelle's show, The Goods does not waste a single moment of its 89-minute running time. The jokes per page for this movie is insane. Oftentimes, I would miss jokes because I was still laughing from the previous punchline that came seconds before. The Goods follows Jeremy Piven's Don Reddy, a used car liquidator who is hired to save a flailing auto dealership from their rapidly approaching demise. Imagine if Office Space took cocaine and went to a car dealership. Writers Andy Stock and Rick Stenson have no credits after The Goods, which is a shame because they penned an incredible script and have seriously delivered The Goods. 2010, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World Before he turned heads with Baby Driver, and after he turned the zombie genre on its head with Shaun of the Dead, Edgar Wright made this wonderfully entertaining experience that seamlessly merges the artistic stylings of comic books and anime into a live-action narrative like never seen before. Michael Sarah is pitch-perfect at portraying the underdog who can tap into an inexplicable source of confidence when he needs to. Kieran Culkin provides hilarious bits sprinkled throughout the film as Scott's best friend. Allison Pill is an entertaining ball of pure energy, and Chris Evans' performance is worth the price of admission alone. Over a decade later, and Scott Pilgrim vs. the World still holds its own. 2010's honorable mention goes to The Last Exorcism. The Last Exorcism is an innovative high note for both the found footage and the supernatural thriller genres. If you're a fan of possession films or found footage, but have found yourself let down by the predictable tropes of the genres, Check out The Last Exorcism. You will be scared and entertained from the beginning to the bittersweet ending. 2011 our Idiot Brother. Our Idiot Brother is one of those classic comedies where someone who would easily be considered an outcast in society is the hero protagonist of the film. Paul Rudd plays Ned, an idealist who barges into the lives of his three sisters to turn their worlds upside down. This movie could have easily been a predictable paint-by-numbers comedy following many stories with similar characters that civilized society would see as flawed but end up teaching us something about how to live our lives better, but there's something about Our Idiot Brother and Rudd's performance that makes this one special and definitely worth watching. 2011's Honorable Mention goes to Flypaper. It came from McDreamy. You got an erotic, unpolished character by contrast. Flypaper proves Patrick Dempsey's range as an actor and his ability to effectively and expertly pull off a quick-witted character with an onion's worth of layers to peel back. Ashley Judd and Tim Blake Nelson are terrific in their supporting roles. 2012 premium rush. Whatever Joseph Gordon-Levitt does, he gives every single bit of his commitment to in his shows. In premium rush, he plays a bike messenger who is tasked with delivering an envelope that attracts the interest of a dirty cop who pursues him throughout the city of Manhattan. You have never seen riding a bike look so badass, and Michael Shannon as the antagonist is perfect as always. 2012's honorable mention goes to Red Hook Summer. A 
lesser known Spike Lee joint, but one that fans will enjoy as much as any other. Red Hook Summer is the sixth installment in Lee's Brooklyn Chronicles and follows a boy from Atlanta as his worldview is shifted when he spends the summer with his deeply religious grandfather in the housing projects of Red Hook, Brooklyn. 2013, The World's End. Writer-director Edgar Wright makes the list again with his third film with acting duo Simon Pegg and Nick Frost following Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. Dramatically shifting genres to turn them on their heads from one film to the next, Wright, Pegg, and Frost took on the doomsday genre this time, masterfully balancing comedy with heartfelt storytelling to bring a tale of an existential crisis running parallel with a literal threat to humankind as five childhood friends reunite for an epic pub crawl, attempting to reconcile the past and the present before realizing the potential peril of their near future. The world's end will make your heart swell and your belly hurt. 2013's honorable mention must go to Bad Milo. Bad Milo is a strange and perfect parable, turning our struggle with inner demons and repressed emotions into a literal demon in this horror comedy mashup starring Ken Marino and Jillian Jacobs. If you get squeamish at the thought of a demon being birthed from a dude's butt, you may want to give Bad Milo a pass. But for everyone else, it is a film to thoroughly enjoy and even take a little life lesson from. 2014. Wild. Coming off the high of Dallas Buyers Club, Jean-Marc Ballet directed Reese Witherspoon's passion project Wild the following year, garnering nearly 70 award nominations and over 10 wins. Based on Cheryl Strayed's memoir, Wild chronicles one woman's 1,100-mile solo hike undertaken as a way to recover from a recent personal tragedy. Reese Witherspoon brings her A-game in every moment and gracefully provides a strikingly honest portrayal of a troubled character navigating a painful healing process toward redemption. 2014's honorable mention is Get On Up. Chadwick Boseman is James Brown. Do we really need to say more? If you haven't seen Get On Up yet, what the funk are you waiting for? 2015? Digging for Fire. Reuniting actor Jake Johnson with director Joe Swanberg after 2013's Drinking Buddies, Digging for Fire is another largely improvised dramedy centered around 30-somethings struggling to find themselves. Jake Johnson can land a joke as much as he can navigate dramatic tension. When he and his wife house sit for an actress acquaintance in Los Angeles Hills, he almost immediately becomes obsessed with solving the mystery behind a possible human bone and a gun found buried in the wooded hills just beyond their backyard. That's the story on the surface, and it's quite amusing enough, but the real development and payoff comes from the internal struggles that come to light as the story progresses. 2015's honorable mention is Straight Outta Compton. There couldn't have been a more perfect director to put the story of NWA to film than F. Gary Gray, getting his start directing music videos for Ice Cube, Cypress Hill, Usher, Coolio, Queen Latifah, Outkast, Dr. Dre, TLC, Whitney Houston, Will Smith, Babyface, and R. Kelly, originally sinking his teeth into feature films with the 1995 classic Friday. There were high hopes that he was directing the story of NWA's emergence in the 1980s to revolutionize hip-hop, and we were not let down. 2016. War Dogs. Director Todd Phillips' first dive into the dramatic genre since his earlier documentary work, War Dogs gives us Jonah Hill and Miles Teller in exceptional performances portraying real-life men who won a $300 million Pentagon contract to arm America's allies in Afghanistan. Loosely based on a true story, War Dogs proved that Phillips could effectively direct a dramatic narrative, likely creating the possibility of him bringing 2019's Joker to the table at Warner Brothers. 2016's honorable mention goes to Pete's Dragon. Before David Lowry he twisted everyone's brains with this year's The Green Knight, he warmed our hearts with the retelling of the classic story of Peach Dragon. Remakes and reimaginings have more to prove than an original film, having to live up to the expectations of fans of the original work. Lowry did a fine job of honoring the heart of the original while creating his own world. He is reunited with Disney to retell another classic story we all know and love with Peter Pan and Wendy, currently in post-production, scheduled for a 2022 release. 2017. Good Time. 
Shortly before the Safdie brothers hit their home run with Adam Sandler's surprising performance in Uncut Gems, they gave Robert Pattinson the opportunity to surprise audiences with 2017's Good Time. And Pattinson did not disappoint, proving he had much more to offer than the teen heartthrob that Hollywood was molding him to be. He plays Connie in an odyssey of misadventures attempting to free his developmentally disabled brother from jail after a bank heist gone wrong. 2017's honorable mention goes to Killing Hasselhoff. Sorry, you probably haven't seen Killing Hasselhoff, but you should. With a long list of talented comedians and an absurd premise, Killing Hasselhoff is a comedy worth putting on your list. 2018. Blue Iguana. Unless you're a diehard fan of Sam Rockwell or you follow at Rejected Jokes on Instagram, odds are you missed this one. This witty action comedy pairs Rockwell and Ben Schwartz as ex-jailbirds on parole who seem to be able to wisecrack their way out of most situations, coasting carefree, largely free of serious consequences, until an opportunity presents itself that is definitely over their heads. Rockwell and Schwartz are perfect together, and we as the audience benefit from every moment of them attempting to outwit each other on the screen. 2018's honorable mention goes to Crazy Rich Asians. Unless you were trapped under a rock in 2018, you know about Crazy Rich Asians. The cultural impact of this film alone earns it its honorable mention. 2019, Uncut Gems. The Safdie brothers return to the list with their follow-up to 2017's Good Time, 2019's Uncut Gems. Even for fans of Punch Drunk Love who were well aware of Adam Sandler's ability to play dramatic roles with believable depth, were surprised by the expertise he approached the craft with for his role as Howard Ratner. A gems dealer with a gambling addiction that lands him over his head with the consequences of his actions quickly gaining on him. Every moment is packed with anxiety and you are quickly swept into Ratner's chaotic existence and perpetual hustle. Be sure to hold your jaw firmly in place for the ending to avoid it dropping straight to the motherfucking ground. 2019's honorable mention goes to the Peanut Butter Falcon. The Peanut Butter Falcon is solid proof of Shia LaBeouf's potential. Zach? Played by Zach Gotzigan, is a young man with Down syndrome who escapes his care facility to chase his dream of becoming a professional wrestler. Through circumstances beyond their control, he pairs up with Tyler, played by LaBeouf, a small-time outlaw on the run, to form an unlikely duo that fills every moment of their adventure with heartwarming charm. Charlie Kaufman is no stranger to mind f***ery. From being John Malkovich, an adaptation, to Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And he ramps things up to 11 with I'm thinking of ending things. You never know what exactly you're going to get going into a Kaufman picture. But one thing is certain, you will witness the innovation and reinvention of the art of storytelling. As you might tell from the title, I'm thinking of ending things deals with depression. Tread lightly because this movie feels more like a visual simulator for mental unwellness than it does a traditional film. It is an experience worth having, but it is definitely not for everybody. 2020's honorable mention goes to Bill and Ted Face the Music. Hopes could not have been higher than they were for the largely anticipated third installment in the Bill and Ted trilogy, and it came at the perfect time. In the thick of the pandemic lockdown, Keanu Jesus Christ Reeves came to the rescue in his trusty payphone booth to bring peace, joy, and laughter to the world. Bill and Ted Face the Music came just in time and did not disappoint. And this is about the time where we remind you, if you have not subscribed, please do and ring the bell so you know when we post new content. We release full episodes about films every month along with in-depth interviews with the stars from the films we all love, and much more. If you love movies, there is literally, quite literally, no reason why you should not be subscribed to our channel. Now, that brings us to 2021, and here are the four films that we're looking forward to being released this month. The Suicide Squad. Coming just five years after David Ayer's disappointing Suicide Squad film, hopes seem to be high for James Gunn's The Suicide Squad, scheduled to release on August 6th. Free Guy. Ryan Reynolds plays a bank teller named Guy who realizes he is actually just a background character in a brutal open world video game that is about to go offline. This premise sounds intriguing and fun and Ryan Reynolds is literally entertaining in anything he puts his name on. Free Guy is scheduled for release on August 13th. The Protégé. 
Michael Keaton and Samuel L. Jackson reunite and are joined by Maggie Q in The Protégé, a classic revenge story following Q, Jackson's protégé, on a mission to avenge his brutal murder. Keaton is the antagonist, and that's worth the price of admission alone. The Protégé is set for an August 20th release. Handyman. Written and directed by Nia DaCosta and co-written by Jordan Peele, who has essentially sealed his place from comedy legend horror icon, bring back a classic horror, and we can't wait to see what they've done with the story. Candyman releases on August 27th, and we'll actually be covering it in great detail on the podcast on October 7th, kicking Halloween month off right. And that's the f***ing list. Did you agree with our picks? Let us know in the comments. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time.